0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you might be listening. Welcome to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content marketing in government. My name's David Pembroke, and I am delighted that you've taken some time to join us again as we explore this exciting world of content marketing and government from some of the smartest people in the world. In this week's episode, we head back to the UK to talk to a leader in digital services for the UK Parliament. But before we do that, as is customary every week here on In Transition, we define content marketing as it relates to government and the definition as an adaptation of the content marketing institution's uh, definition. Content marketing is a strategic and measurable business process that relies on the curation, creation and distribution of valuable, relevant and consistent content to engage and inform a clearly defined audience with the objective of diving a desired citizen or stakeholder action. Our guest today is Tracy Green, and Tracy is the Head of Strategy at Parliamentary Digital Services there in the UK. Previous to her role, she was Head of Online Services for the UK Parliament, responsible for public facing web, intranet, and all the other digital channels, including social networking. Tracy joins us this afternoon on In Transition, and welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Thanks very much, Tracy. In terms of using content and using uh, digital platforms and practices there to propagate and promote the work of the UK Parliament, where do you start in terms of your processes in in deciding what types of content you're going to create?
1: Um, Well, we have a big corpus of publications, which is our kind of starting point. So Parliament is effectively a, a big publishing house. It publishes all the information about what's happening in Parliament every day. Um, about what happened in Parliament yesterday, information about select committees and um, legislation that's going through Parliament, and lots of information about the members who who sit in Parliament as well, in both houses, in the House of Commons and the House of Lords. Um, so so that's our starting point, really, is the story of what, what's going on in Parliament. Um, but lots of that material is written in a certain way. It has to be for for legal reasons and can be quite um difficult to digest for the average reader so we often take that material as a starting point and then we we will rewrite that story to make to make it more interesting a bit more engaging for people so that they're better able to understand it
0: but what is your process that allows you to publish amended versions or interpreted versions of regulations and and black letter law
1: um, so so we um, we have some automated processes for publishing those big documents. And then we have a content management system. We've got a devolved editorial model. So we've trained over 500 people across Parliament to use the content management system and to publish content to its, its digital channels. Um, and there are workflow processes within that. O- often the sign-off process for a lot of that material happens outside of the system.
0: And how it could give me some indication of what that sign-off process might look like on a on a typical day? How many how many documents or how many videos or how many audio files might be published in a given day? And how do you get them up up onto the web?
1: Oh, dozens dozens might be published every day. But but what we do is we try and plan ahead as well. So we have um, quite a. a a rigorous editorial process. So we meet every week and we plan ahead what's going to be on the website, on social media, and on other channels the week before. Um, but we leave it flexible enough because things change as well. So, you know, things drop in. So that's kind of um, uh, a collaboration between the web team and the two um, information teams in each house. Um, they're effectively kind of uh, communications teams for, for the houses. So They'll agree for the week ahead what's going
0: to go go online. Okay, so you sit down with them as like sort of a say a, a service provider that they come to you with their uh, their programs as such, their legislative programs, and they're saying, okay, the, yeah. these are the assets that need to find their way um, onto up on, on air, so to speak. And Tracy, exactly. can you help us do that?
1: Yeah, and um, I'd say it's much more of a two-way process. So rather than being a service provider, it's more of a collaboration because often we'll suggest things that they might want to do to make the content more engaging or where to push it to get the best readership. You know, if they hit something for Facebook, we might suggest pictures or video or something like that. So it's very much a team effort in deciding, you know, how how are we going to communicate and engage the following week?
0: Okay, okay, so what sort of resources do you have as part of of your team?
1: Um, so there's a, there's a content team of about 10 people in the web team. Um, I keep thinking of them as my team, although I've moved on from that role now. But, um, yeah, yeah there's, there's about 10 of them managing content there, and they work with um, the two information officers, as I mentioned, and they have teams of, uh, I think, between five and 10 that work together on that as well. But they're dealing with the media, they're dealing with print publications as well. So they're doing lots of other things apart from web in those other teams.
0: But you also mentioned that you have quite a devolved system as well, where you have publishing rights, by the sounds of things, at the edges of the, the parliamentary ecosystem.
1: Yeah, so we have, um, for example, uh, a big uh, team that looks after all of the visitors that come to Parliament. So they manage the visiting programme. They have um, teams of people who kind of give tours and things like that and look after people when they arrive. They look after a lot of the merchandise that we sell in Parliament. And there's quite a a big... um, Body of material on the website and on social media about all of that aspect of Parliament's life. So it's not just about the legislation. We're a heritage site as well. Lots of people come and visit us, including school, school children. and they'll they'll have about five people managing their content online. So making sure all of the information about tours in Parliament are up to date. You know what's going on. What can people come and do there? Um, and, and they disseminate that out through social media as well.
0: So how have you gone about? making sure that there is quality and consistency. What has been that process that has enabled for you to achieve the outcomes that you're getting now?
1: Yeah. So primarily it's about, um, well, in the web team, recruiting people with the right kind of skills and expertise. But then when we've gone on to train people across both houses of Parliament, because actually Publishing material to the web, I think, is part of everybody's job. You know, it's no longer the reserve of a web team in an organization to do that. Everybody has a role in doing that because the web touches every part of business, every part of an organization. So we do quite a lot of training and we um, not only train people how to use a content management system, so which buttons to press to get their material live, but we also teach them how to write for the web, how to optimize search engines, how to make things usable and accessible, um, and that 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 training course, which is a couple of days when, before they start using the CMS, that's a starting point. Really, we then have um, the, the the content uh, team in the web team. They they have a kind of um, uh, I suppose um, customer service role towards the, all those other teams in Parliament, and so that they act as a point of contact in the web team. And they're there to provide advice. You know, if people have new ideas for online, they'll come and talk to those people. If they want to set up new sections or create new content, they'll come and talk to them. So right from the point of being trained, you have um, kind of coaching and mentoring from the web team all along the way. So we're building that capability, I hope, through lots of other teams in Parliament. So people become much more proficient in, you know, what's good content, how to really promote it effectively to your audiences and how to um, make it work, really, and have an impact, get people people to better understand what Parliament's all about. Does that make sense?
0: sounds like (laughs) – no, well, it does, and it sounds like a a fantastic – Program And it also sounds like a wonderful commitment from your leadership and an understanding of the importance and the power of content in terms of achieving the objectives is what you just identified right at the end, which is all about people understanding what parliament is, what it's trying to achieve, what it's trying to do, etc. And that commitment to training, where did that come from?
1: Um, Well, it started with bringing in a new content management system and knowing that the web team can't do everything. You know, if we wanted to be able to publish all the material um, that we have uh, and just do that from the web team, you'd need a web team of 50 people at least. Um, And of course, you don't have the resource for that. But actually, it makes much better sense for the subject matter experts to be publishing content and for us to have trained them to use um, digital tools effectively. So I suppose, you know, we, when we brought in a new CMS back in 2010, um, I persuaded my boss that, you know, part of doing that was not just the technology and installing that um, and implementing that, but actually making sure that we had some funds to train people. And they they bought into that. I think, you know, people are really, ever since 2010, we've been running a training session every month pretty much, training groups of, you know, between 8 and 10 people. Um, and I think as time has gone on, um people have really started to see the difference it can make to the way they work so they're starting to see that i think one of our big challenges is presenting parliament in a way that people can understand because the content it naturally produces is so um complex and um you know often quite long often using written using terminology people don't understand so that's still our big challenge is to kind of take that content and make that more engaging and digestible for for the audiences that we know are coming to find out about what Parliament does.
0: Now, I'm really interested in that point and, and I will come back to that in, in a moment, but I just want to go back to 2010 and the conversation with your boss because I imagine Westminster risk-averse if it's like a lot of places and you've got the great idea that you're going to give lots of people publishing rights. Yeah. Was that a difficult conversation to have and how did you go about having that conversation around risk, because this is a fundamental point for so many content marketers working in government, working in risk-averse environments. How do you convince people that it's not going to be the end of the world if we give people publishing rights and if we prepare them to be able to tell the story effectively?
1: Um, uh, in a way, it wasn't such a hard sell because Parliament is um, you a know, very information-focused, very publishing-focused organisation. People were already creating content in different ways anyway. So to actually say, we want to give people the ability to publish to the intranet and to the website didn't seem so hard. I think the bigger challenge was around, you know, giving those rights was one thing, but then working with teams, because one size doesn't fit all. So the HR team wanted to work in a slightly different way to the library, for example. So working with those teams in different ways um, to help them set up processes and mechanisms for how they could publish that worked for them you know it wasn't just kind of a single model so that was the harder bit actually um and often um we, we were pushing people to, to be able to be empowered and have some autonomy and be able, be able to publish, but their lack of confidence meant that they would often come back and say, oh, you know, I'm not sure how to do this, can you help? Or, um, oh, so-and-so who you trained last month has now left, we need you to do this. So we would keep going back and pushing back on them and saying, no, you know, this is your responsibility actually, because otherwise the web team would have just been swamped and we wouldn't have been able to do anything else.
0: So how then were you able to adjust and what sort of needs were there that differed between, say, HR and the library team? What were they looking for that was different and how did you meet the needs of that particular area of the organisation such that they were satisfied and confident to get going in terms of publishing content?
1: I think for the HR team, publishing content was a very new thing for them. It wasn't something they were used to doing. You know, it hadn't been part of um, other tasks and ways of working that they they had done before so the idea of you know just the basics of how a, a publishing tool might work and um, things around metadata and optimizing for search and how you write for the web you know was quite new to them whereas a lot of the staff in the library particularly the research section you know that they, their kind of day job if you like is writing uh, briefings it's um, making it's, it's indexing content so they all were already up to speed with a lot of that so in a way that was a, a more straightforward process but for the hr team it was quite new so you kind of have to start from a different point um and you have to focus on some training that perhaps the library folk had already got in other ways so it was and tra- in terms of training needed in some ways
0: yeah and it's wonderful how not, you've, you've started it and you've kept it, and it's obviously a core part of building the capability that's now generating fantastic outcomes. But how then do you go about uh, un, or helping these different areas, such as HR, such as the library, such as the different chambers, to understand about the personas that they're trying to connect to? What sort of work did you do in that space in terms of building out an understanding of the audience that they were seeking to engage?
1: Um, well, people often come with assumptions about who it is that's looking at the website, which is not, which is often not reflected in fact. So we we we've focused quite heavily on on showing them the data. So it wasn't our subjective view about who was coming to the website or who we should be engaging with, but it was based on some data. So we use Google Analytics and part of the kind of account management. Um, relationship in the content team they would proactively go out to the different teams in both houses and say you know that this is the data of who's looked at your pages in the last month this is how they're behaving this is where they're coming from this is where they're going to try and get them to think about the behavior of how people were using their content Uh, but alongside that quantitative um, aspect we've also been doing a survey on the public facing website for the last six years um, and we've always had a really amazing response, actually. Um, when I first went to work there, I was quite staggered that they were getting over a thousand survey responses every month um, within about a week. And it's quite a simple questionnaire. We just ask how satisfied people were with that visit, what they were looking for, that kind of thing. About five questions in total. And we've got some great data there, which really, you know, tells us who the people are that are coming or gives us an indication. It's not a science, you know, it's pe- people are self-selecting. Uh, but we get a good indication of who's coming what they're looking for whether whether they're having problems and challenges with our content um to help us do do better really and so on that survey as well people kind of tick a box to say whether they're a journalist or a member of the public or a student or an mp so we have some idea of who they are so we sh- we share that data with with our colleagues and you know to help build up a picture of the end user and um and how the content's been used and how we can improve it
0: and i imagine that they'd be very engaged with that data
1: um yeah but it's also like i said it's not a science so often it's quite challenging in the interpretation so i think sometimes there would be quite some some debates about um you know how how um how much it reflected you know the real users you know the, the thousand people that fill in the survey how how representative are they excuse me, of the people that are coming every month. So we, we there's quite hard work there to do in the interpretation to kind of build up an argument and to build up some some plans for what you do next.
0: So in terms of finding a standardised approach, obviously there are def- different needs from education to the library to HR, but do you have a single templated approach that then people might sort of adjust depending on their their emphasis in terms of developing their content marketing programs?
1: Um, I suppose we do, but I, I, I suppose it's a templated starting point and then we'll tweak it depending on the, the part of the business that we'll work with. Um, often people come to us and say, oh, you know, I want I to link on the homepage, not enough people are seeing my content. But we use that as a starting point to try and build with them a proper kind of campaign approach to how we might get more users to the content, get people more engaged. And we take a really holistic integrated approach as well so you know we're thinking about how they're writing their content where they're putting it on on the website the kind of language they're using and how they're feeding that through to social media so we take a much more integrated approach um and and that i'd say it's a systematic one whether that's you know about visiting information about how people can visit parliament or if it's about um information about select committees
0: but again, I think the the thing I love about this whole system is that it's a very collaborative approach, and that you know th- the experts are not too far away at any given time to be able to talk about and to work with the you know the different line areas to ensure that their content marketing is working.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, you know, we we, we depend on our colleagues in both houses because they are the experts on Parliament. They are the experts on their area of the business. And they come to us for advice and guidance on how they can best use digital channels um, to to achieve their goals, basically, you know, in, in 2015. You can't achieve your goals unless you use the internet, so it's very much a collaboration from from that perspective and it's interesting because I've just been as in, as part of my new role as head of strategy I've been doing a lot of workshops with colleagues in both houses to see you know um what we want the strategy strategy to be going forwards and what we think's been good and bad in the past and all of them have said, you know we need you as the experts in the digital team to show us how we can properly use. The internet to achieve our goals, and it's got to be a collaboration. So,
0: you know, it's, it's, that con-
1: sometimes that's more challenging, and sometimes that that comes easily. But it's the same in any organisation, I think.
0: Yeah, and, and in in those consultations, what was what's the number one challenge that people are coming up with all the time?
1: Um, gosh, I mean, the, the those sessions have been about. Everything in our IT and digital in Parliament. So I think um, the challenge has been between how we really provide a good service to our members, you know, everything from giving them their kit to, you know, giving them apps to use on their tablet devices to how we can really um, open Parliament up to the public because it's so you know, as I said before, it's so kind of mired in, hist. you know, history is great, but often it can be a barrier to engagement because it uses language and um, it can be quite, that's difficult to understand and can be quite complex. So I think it's everything between those two points, really. But those are the two of the big ones that came out.
0: And just in terms of that complexity, again, for government communication and people working in government, often there is that challenge that a lot of the regulation, the black letter law is complex. What do you find are the best ways to turn complex documents into documents and videos and audio and other content assets to make them more accessible?
1: I think a really good example of that for us is what we've done with select committees and select committee reports particularly. So... Um, we've been working quite hard with with those colleagues over the last couple of years to really look at how we can make reports more engaging. So they have been using things like infographics and video and more imagery, but also trying to write the document in a slightly different way, um, using language that's more optimised for search. Often um, select committees would report on something, and the kind of title they would have given the inquiry is not the title being used in popular media, so if somebody was searching for that, they would never have found it. So kind of thinking about the language used, use while still making sure that it adheres to the kind of, you know, the formality that it needs because of the the process it's reflect- reflecting. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, often we'll have something like a report or a call for evidence. Uh, but the team there are now they're writing um uh, news stories which are much more engaging so they you know they give a summary of what an inquiry might be about without somebody having to read a very long di- document to get that message across and, and they'll promote that on twitter and they'll use facebook to to get people engaged if there's going to be an inquiry where they're inviting members of the public to come and give evidence about something so we've done that with healthcare issues in the past um, they they'll use social media and particularly health-focused forums or things like that to um, get some input from people. So it not only changes the way the content works and actually makes the content more engaging, but they actually get um, get better content because they're reaching out to a much broader audience. In the past, select committees may have had a kind of narrower pool of people that they went to to give evidence, but now with the use of digital, you can really open that up and you can get evidence from a much wider group of people. So it benefits the process fundamentally as well which is quite exciting really, because it should make democracy better.
0: I was about to make that very point that really <laughs> if the objective is about you know strengthening democracy and improving the way parliament works, it sounds like you're doing a very good job.
1: Well, we're trying. Yeah, we're getting there.
0: But also this notion that you introduced right at the beginning of the discussion I think is this sense of parliament being just one big publishing house and everyone sort of playing their role in the publishing house. And it sounds like you've made great progress really over a a relatively short period of time in terms of being able to leverage, you know, the utility of digital technology and and content marketing. But what's next? Where are the next big improvements for you in order for you to continue to do good things?
1: Um, So a big thing for us at the moment is data and making all of that um, information available in in data form so that people can take that data and reuse it outside of Parliament Um, and they can also um, interrogate it more effectively. So, you know, when when I talk about data, I'm talking about everything from the record of what happened in Parliament to information about um, what interests MPs have. You know, some MPs are more interested in particular topics of interest than others Um, and information about, you know, when they were in Parliament how they voted, um, all of that kind of stuff. And people are really interested in that data. Um, over the last four years, we've run four hack events in Parliament where we've invited the developer community to come in and play around with our data and build apps and websites with it. And we've always been inundated with people keen to do that. So last year, we had about 80 people who came in and they built about 20 different apps. So there's a real appetite there. People want us to make you know be open by default, if you like, and make all of that data available. And because of the legacy systems it's been sitting in and how we publish now, that's been quite a challenge. Um, So that's a big, I'd say that's a big priority for us is is making that data freely available in a kind of standardised open format. Um, We launched, we've just launched our beta version of our data.parliament platform. So we're already making a number of those data sets available, but we've got lots more to do there.
0: And in terms of the publishing of assets, be it video audio uh, stills text graphics, what's next in terms of the, the those content assets
1: um we've We've been using Facebook much more effectively over the, the last year and and I think we've I think we tripled our our kind of light following there um, and that's because we've been using those assets much more effectively using video and imagery there. Um, so we're looking at other social channels, actually, and about how we can use um, assets like photos and, and video there as well.
0: But also, it's a fascinating—it's a fascinating time, isn't it, for storytellers working in in Parliament, wor- working in places like Westminster, where there is just it's just just the wonderful sandpit really to start to to try to tell a better story.
1: No, absolutely. It's all about the stories I think, and opening those stories up to people and doing it in a way which, you know, is personal and and engaging because I think when people think about parliament, you know, they think about that big iconic building with the clock tower on on one end of it and they don't, you know, they don't necessarily see the stories behind it so one of the other things that we've just gone live with is a blogging platform um and i'm encouraging lots of different teams from across parliament to blog about what what their jobs are what it's like to work in parliament the different kinds of things they do um one of the uh blogs that's going to go live on there is from the archives team so we've got a massive archive wealth of information there it has lots of image and uh video assets that goes with it as well. So, you know, the, from the death warrant of Charles I to lots of other historical documents, you can investigate those. Um, so they're going to be blogging about the work they do and the, and the archive that they hold and everything that's in it. So I think that's really engaging. I think if you can hook people in with that kind of content to Parliament, you can then, you know, you've got an opportunity then to push them to all the other things that perhaps they didn't know were going on too, you know. So if they're interested in a particular topic, um they can go and find out about that. I think that's that's also one of our big challenges for the future is really focusing on how we can get our content more effectively tagged because we know that people are really interested in politics on a topic basis. You know, it's somebody that cares about cycling or it's somebody who cares about um, energy or fracking or something like that, you know. So tagging our content so that they can find it without necessarily having to know what the kind of content is before they look I think is... It would be a big win for us if we could do that in the next year.
0: And I imagine that will be a, a big part of the ongoing training program.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, Tracy, thank you very much for giving us some of your time this afternoon. I think it's an intriguing story really as to the way that the the UK Parliament has taken on this opportunity to become a publisher, to be its own media company and to really put at the core, uh, not only good, good function, but also to start to put in place the training that enables the various human assets that work within the parliament to be able to tell their own stories and to be given permission to publish and to connect with people so thank you so much for the insights today it's been wonderful for our audience and i know people would have got a lot of insight out of that so thank you very much for coming on to in transition and best of luck with it best of luck with your uh next endeavors it sounds like you've got a very big uh work work plan in front of you
1: absolutely yes thank you very much for the opportunity i've enjoyed it
0: You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.